0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: There's stuff available to people that are living right that is not available for people that are not living right. That's what we're reading here. Paul is instructed, hey, the women that are living like that, no, no, we're not taking care of that. But he's going to explain The widows that we are going to take care of, and these are some spiritual women that are living a spiritual life, God said, you take care of them. You make sure that their needs get met. I don't think it's much different. If You can take us out of this scenario, and I can say the same thing, that those that are living right, those that are honoring God with their life, God said, I'll take care of you. It'll come some way. It does matter how we live, is my point. It matters how we live before God.
0: There are always going to be people who seek to take advantage of the generosity of God's people. Paul encouraged Timothy to have discernment and seek God's wisdom in knowing who and how to help. Pastor Bill would explain that God expects believers to help those truly in need and who are living a godly, faithful life. One who doges in sin, excess, or laziness cannot expect the family of God to bail them out of their unfortunate situation. God will guide and help you with wisdom if you seek him in these situations. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 5 for today's edition of A Transforming word.
1: So he says, honor the widows that are really widows." verse 4, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. So the first women off the list, if you're a widow, but you raise kids and you got living children, if she has children or grandchildren, let them take care of her. If that's a grandma or that's your mother and she took care of you and raised you and fed you and, you know, cleaned your dirty diapers. Now she needs your help. Now you guys take care of her. So it says first, let it fall on. If they have family, children, or grandchildren, let them take care of them. So this is good and acceptable before God. Verse five. Now she who is really a widow and it's explaining what it is and she's left alone trust in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasures is dead while she lives. And these things command that they may be blameless. And so when it talks about a woman living in pleasures, it's saying there's not the woman who her husband died. She out there at the club getting her thing on, just saying, who! and then she's showing up in the line saying, take care of me. She living in pleasure. She living in sin. The Bible says she's dead while even she lives. We're not taking care of her. Um, so the woman that's living in pleasures is that woman. Everybody understand who that woman is. All right. It's that one. So, God, we're not taking care of her. We don't have a plan for you. Why not, though? Right. It was like, why is that a distinction? How come we wouldn't take care of a woman that's living like that? God, it's because she's dead while she lives. Right. This program that is set up is taking care of those that are living a certain kind of way. There were layers of this that I was working through. I'm like, God, so you mean to tell me that there's a way in which you'll take care of those that live right? that you don't make available to those that are not living right. Do you guys know that that's true? Even though there's grace, do you understand that there's things that God says, there's stuff available to people that are living right that is not available for people that are not living right. That's what we're reading here. Paul is instructed, hey, the women that are living like that, no, no, we're not taking care of them. But he's going to explain the widows that we are going to take care of and these are some spiritual women that are living a spiritual life. God said, you take care of them. You make sure that their needs get met. I don't think it's much different. You could take us out of this scenario and I can say the same thing that those that are living right, those that are honoring God with their life. God says, I'll take care of you. It'll come some way. It does matter how we live is my point. It matters how we live before God. And so, again, she who lives in pleasures is dead while she lives. These things command that they may be blameless. Verse eight. Now, this is a verse that, um, you know, is often used to speak of men that are not you know taking care of their families and, and their responsibilities as a, as a man. Verse eight says, but if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so the context here is speaking of a widow, your mother, your, your, your dad died, your man, um, you know, and, and your mother, your mother is without. God says you, you wouldn't take care of your mother. Um, you guys know that we live in a culture where people just putting their parents off just not taking care of them they they're people that live their whole life leeching off their parents and then their parents end up in the place where they need and the people say okay well then I don't know grandma you know you got some social security or something take care of that uh you, it's a home it's a home we can put you up in that home um and there's a time there's a place you know where you know maybe someone needs to be in a home they need constant watch and care for their own uh for their own you know health and whatnot I understand that but we are living in a time where. There's not even natural affection for mom. There's not even a natural like, man, I want to take care of my mom. I'd sacrifice my own comfort right now to minister to my mom. God says not for the believer. And so when he says here, read it carefully. He says, but but if anyone does not provide for his own. So if you got to take care of your mom, mom is not even first tier. Right. If you're a man, what's the first tier of responsibility you have? Your wife and your children. Mom is after that. So. It could just be implicit that if I got to take care of my mom, should she fall upon hard times, then I'm expected to take care of my household. Anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household. God says he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Why is he worse than an unbeliever? Because even unbelievers do that. Even unbelievers take care of their responsibility, take care of their kids, take care of their families. God said, if you don't do that, you're worse than a nonbeliever. And so, you know, I hate to see it in the church. I hate to see men. That, that struck their responsibility, that don't take care of was, was put under them. And so in this context here, it is speaking of parents, speaking of mother. That's what was happening in some cases that there were children who could have been taking care of their mom that were putting her off on the church. You're going to ask the church to pay for it, take care of you, mom. Where Paul's saying, you guys should be taking care of her. You guys are worse than non-believers if you won't take care of your own mom. And so just a word to us that have, you know, some of us don't even have a mom anymore. But a word to us that are still in a place where our parents are alive and they're around, they're well, um, man, care for them, love them and, and understand that a, a way in which they may have cared for you at one point in your life. There, there may come a time when it's going to be now your turn to take care of them and you embrace that. Um, don't run from that. You know, that's something that if you're married, that's a conversation you need to have with your husband and your wife that, hey, mom's getting up there. You know, dad's got some health challenges. And I see these things coming. How are we going to minister to them? Then, you know, it's coming. It's going to come a time when they need from us. What's what's our position going to be? We're the Christians in the family. I know we got other brothers and other siblings. but we know God. What are we going to do? That's got to be the heart of the believer. What what, what are we going to do to take care of them? That will honor God. That'll honor God more than the alternative, which is just to, to shrug the responsibility. And so. Um, It is a sad thing in our day, in our time, in our culture, where people do. They take, 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 and then when it's time to give, everybody's out. I don't have it. I can't afford it. I can't do it. They couldn't afford it either. They made it happen for you. And so you might have to make it happen for them as well. And so again, he says if anyone does not provide for his own, especially those of his own household, uh, those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than the unbeliever. Those are such strong words to me. Um, so if you whatever's in your household, men, you make sure you take care of yours, whatever you got to do. I, I tell a guy that can't make a lot of money, whatever money you can make, make that and take care of home with it. You ain't got to be rich. It doesn't say, you know, uh, you got to you know, you got to provide the most or the best. But I'm doing what I can do. That's what God requires of us, that we do the best we can. Whatever that is. And, and it's not, you know, it's not like, you know, if I, you work the best you can. This is what I can provide. And I'm providing what I can provide until God gives me more to provide. Then you do that to the glory of God. But don't sit up playing video games and, you know, doing, you know, whatever. And then and, and God says, man, and, and claim you'll claim you love God. God says you worse than an unbeliever if you will not take care of those of your own household. Amen. All right. May all the men stand up. All right. Verse nine. <laughs> It says, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number and not unless she has been the wife of one man. So, first of all, um, a woman couldn't even be considered with this whole widow thing. She couldn't be considered, uh, you know, to receive you know, aid from the church if she was under 60. And so, um, you know, in, in one sense, I guess if you were under 60, you're still young. You still, uh, you still, uh, you know, you still get out there and, and, and make him find you a husband, you know, and so. Uh, but it says if she's under 60, you know, it's going to tell us in a minute the younger widows need to go out there and they need to get married again. You know, and um, but if she's 60 or older, um, then that's one qualification. So she's under 60 years old. Do not let her be taken into the number. And it says unless and it starts to give us a criteria for a woman that would meet the criteria to be taken care of as a widow. She's been the husband of one man. So this not been a woman that's been running around, you know, with, you know, four, five, Jimmy, Jack, Joe and and Jim. You know, she's been the husband of one wife. Um, Verse 10. Well reported for good works Um, if she has brought up children. So this woman before her husband died, she only had one husband. She was with him faithfully. Uh, She wasn't in and out of relationships. She was faithful to her marriage. Um, while she was faithful in her marriage, she was reported, uh, well reported for good works. Her reputation among the body is that she's one that served God. Um, she's known for her good works, her service. It says that she has brought up children. And so um, it doesn't mean that she had to have had children. But if she did have children, she brought them up. So if she wasn't able to have children for some reason, it didn't disqualify her. But if she had children, she raised up children. Um, she, if she has lodged strangers in this culture back here, the believers had to be hospitable. And uh, if Christians were coming down from another area and they end up in your town at night, um, there was animosity towards Christians from the Romans and other places. So if you recognize some people, they know you guys are believers, you would take them in and you guys can stay here for the night. We'll feed you and then you guys can keep going on your journey in the morning that um, so she is lodged strangers. So she's a hospitable woman. It says if she has washed the saint's feet. Doesn't necessarily mean that she was scrubbing your bunions, but it does mean this. In that culture, washing feet was the lowest form. Of service that you can perform for somebody else that's humility as humble service and so this woman is just well reported man she's got a good reputation in the body she served people She was faithful to her husband she raised up her own kids in the Lord she washed the saints feet that means she served the saints there was nothing too too small for her to do too low for her to do she's ministered to the church in that way and it says if she is she is relieved the afflicted, she's ministered to those that were afflicted, sick or in a difficult place. If she has diligently followed every good work, that's the kind of woman that God says when she when her husband died, she's been ministering here. We're going to take care of her. And then it says in verse 11, but refuse the younger widows for when they have begun to grow one ten against Christ, they desire to marry having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. So it says, the younger widows, what would happen is this. Um, you know, younger woman may say, I'm, I'm going to commit to this. I want to serve in this way. I want the church to take care of me. You know, put me in the number. I'm a widow. You know, put me on the roster. And then after a while, she's like, well, I'm lonely. She got a dude. you know, I like, you know, and she starts to, you know, basically move away from her commitment. God said, don't even receive her. She's young. Uh, don't even let her make that commitment. You know, we're going to encourage her um, to remarry, uh, to find someone else. And so, um, lest she become wanton against Christ, they desire to marry, having condemnation because she made a commitment and now she's fallen back. Not because it was wrong for her to remarry, but because she's committed that she's going to live this way. And now after a while, she's like, no, I don't think I want to do that no more. I think I want to you know, be with somebody. And so don't even accept a younger widow into the number. Verse 13. And besides this. They learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies saying things which they are not. Anybody know some women like that? Idle, busybodies, gossip, they all over the place. Girl, you heard? Did you heard? On your cell phone, having their on Facebook. Um, <laughs> that's idleness. That's what happens when you don't have any sense of direction. You got nothing to do. Um, God said that's that's what will end up happening to these. women. They just grow idle. And they'll be in trouble. They'll be getting into stuff they don't belong in. They'll be gossiping and they'll be busybody saying things which they ought not. Verse 14. Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity for the adversary to speak reproachfully. God says, this is my will for the younger widows. Remarry and have some babies and raise them up. That for you have you won't have no idle time. Anybody with babies? No, there ain't no idle time. I was just about to get on the phone. And, eh, okay, I'm not going to be on the phone. It's over. You know, this, it, that, that'll, that'll take care of that. This is the other thing. We learned earlier in Timothy, right? When we're looking at the roles of the men and the women. Um, one of the special things that God has blessed women to be able to do, one way in which women minister within the church even is that they're raising up the next generation of the church on their knees. They're raising up another generation of people that love God. Moms, their primary ministry is to their home. And to raising up their children in the Lord. And so God said, look, let them marry. Let them remarry. Uh, they're young. And let them have families. And, you know, instead of being idle, busybodies, and gossip, let them raise children. Let them bear children. And manage the house. And give no opportunity for the adversary to speak reproachfully. So, I got to speak on this because we also live in a time where people say, well, that's this old chauvinistic idea. Women got to be at home taking care of babies and raising kids. Well, I'm a new woman of the new century and I go to work <laughs> and the babysitters take care of my kids. And so I gonna speak on this for a minute because we do live in a different time. Um, I believe God's will is pretty explicit in the word. And I want to speak to where we're living at and what's going on here. So every time I see in the word when God's giving instruction, do this instructing women what to do, not not. Not just when I read the stories and I see what's happening by default, but when God is saying, This is my will, this is what I want you to be doing. I see that there's, you know, in First Timothy two. I don't want them to be pastors, overseeing men, being in spiritual authority over men, says, but they'll be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and self-control. Where's a woman gonna have authority and where's she gonna teach and where's she gonna to To her kids? Bless her with her and her household. Um, in other places, just the woman's role in terms of her ministry to her husband at home with the children, so forth and so on. So we live in a time where, for some people, it's it's not, it doesn't work. You know, there are some marriages where both people have to work to make the ends meet. And so, understand, I understand that. Um, my wife and I have had both. We've done it where we both were working for, you know, for the majority, for the first half at least of our marriage. We both worked. It's just we had to. And that's what we had to do. So there's no, we're not putting condemnation on someone that's like, hey, we wouldn't be able to make it. Um, You guys know that when earlier in my marriage, my wife was the my my check and in her check, it was like one of these five like one time five was her check you know like my checks was she would save them up today we had like they weren't even worth taking the cash it was like four of them and her check was like christmas that's how it was you know so she was a principal you know i was doing whatever i was doing it just you know her money was way longer than my money at that time so that's just what it was you know um so i understand that and there was a point at which if one of us was going to go home it was like well You you feel like being a stay at home dad? (laughs) If not, we're going to be broke, you know. Um, So I get that everybody's not in a place to be able to do that. But this is the point. Make sure then whatever you do investigate and whatever you do open yourself up to that it doesn't pull you away. You remember that your main obligation is your children. And if there's any way to minister to them, there's a way to make that your primary thing. If that means you're going to have a little less, that would be a better call. You know, some people have given their kids up to have a better car. Like, I'm not at home with my kids because this extra $500 let me drive a, a nicer car. With them kids, who's raising them? Who are they with? Who are they spending the best hours of their day with? It'd be better with you. And so, I get it in the situations where it's not an option. But I'm saying when it is an option, and just to live a little nicer, and have a couple more things, a couple more temporary things, you're missing out on an opportunity to pour into their lives, don't miss that. Don't give that up for some stuff that perishes. Um... As you pour into your kids, you get to see everything you poured into them uh, blossom right out of them. And and it's this, you know, it's nothing like that. You know, I, I was blessed that when when we first had Harmony, Mika was working, and Harmony was little, she was in a, a childcare, and we were both working. And I remember when you know, you guys know our situation. Our son Billy is autistic, and that was the point at which we had somebody had to go home. We got a son with autism; he needs someone to be home to care for him. And that was at that point. Uh, my wife said, I'm going to go home and be with him. And so whatever that means for us financially, we lose our house. Um, you know, we gonna have to live off of your little bitty income or whatever. But that was the decision we made that the decision was not a financial decision because on paper it never worked out. Uh, we just had agreed up front that we probably will lose a house. But but you'll be home with him. And that was the goal. And we made that decision. We move forward with it. End up working out to where we were able to keep those things and whatnot. But I remember just watching Harmony blossom under I call harmony little Mika that um I feel like those years of her being at home with her she just like Mika you know she's like that's like a when my wife is gone and Harmony's there it's like my wife is there. She says the same stuff, said it the same way. They both shut down my jokes the same way. You know they it's like a little bitty mirror and I'm like that didn't just happen. You know she wasn't born there. They were just around enough and poured into and so I just encourage the ladies as 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 it's possible, as much as you can, that you would do that. And I understand that there are single moms where you got to be breadwinner and do all that. So you got to work full time and do what you can. I get it. God gets it. Just just understand that, you know, while you're doing all these other things, don't lose sight of the fact that my primary obligation before God is a to pour into them. And so. You may have to, you know, always consider that in every decision that I got to be able to pour into them. I got to have some time for them. I got to have some time to pray with them, to love on them, to share with them, to nurture them. I got to have time for that somehow. Um, Don't lose out on that uh, for some stuff. And again, none of this is intended to bring condemnation on someone who has no other option, because I understand that everybody's situation is different. But I am speaking to those that have options and they're like, well, I'm opting for some stuff. And some things, because I've seen parents, moms and dads who have completely handed their kids off to have a lot of stuff. Dad's taking job, never available. He's never available for the kids. And mom's always gone. They got money, but the kids are not being raised by either one of them in the church. Shouldn't be like that. Amen. And so moving on, he says, you younger women, I want you guys to marry, have bare children, raise them up. Um, you know, manage your household and don't give opportunity for the enemy, for the adversary to speak reproachfully. Verse 15 now, for some, has, for some have already turned aside after Satan. And again, he's speaking about in their fellowship and their gatherings. Hey, there's some that they've already gotten themselves way out there. They've already, they're out there living wild, living crazy, whatever. Would have been better for them to move in this direction. He says, There's some that have already turned aside after Satan. Then it says in verse 16, if any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them. And do not let the church be burdened that it may relieve those who are really widows. Once again, if within your family, um, you know, for me, if, if, uh, you know, my mom has passed away, but if it were my mom or my wife's mom, if something happens to her husband, God says, you guys, relieve, you take care of her. Don't let it be a burden on the church. You guys be the ones to step up and take care of that. Now we switch gears in verse 17 and we speak about the elders. Those are the pastors, those that are overseeing in the church and those that are teaching and ministering in that way. And so verse 17 says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in word in the word and doctrine. And so these are verses where, you know, I think everybody is aware of the abuses that happen uh, within the church where, you know, pastors and those that they can overindulge in church resource. They can take more than what's due them, more than what makes sense. But it always makes these kind of verses weird for me to teach. Uh, but I'm going to just teach it because it's the word and let the chip fall where they may. I know I'm not that. And, you know, it says that the elders who rule well, those that are that their job, they're ministering the word to you. It says, let them be counted worthy of, of double honor. And you look up the word honor there and it, it speaks, it's twofold. It speaks in one sense of there's a, a value or respect put upon them, but also it's speaking of uh, monetary valuables. At one point, Paul said, hey, is it a big deal if I share with you guys in spiritual things, if you share with me of your of your financial, or your practical things? He said that that's the that's the way that God has lined this thing up. So it is the case that pastors are to be taken care of by the churches in which they serve. He goes on to say in verse 18 for the scripture says, and this is his illustration. You shall not muzzle the ox while it treads the grain. And the laborer is worthy of his wages. And so the first quotation, you don't muzzle the ox while it treads the grain is a quotation from Deuteronomy 25, verse four. And when an ox is treading the field so you can sow into it and and have crops later on, God says, don't put a muzzle on him and be hungry. And he want to bend down and eat some while he goes. You don't muzzle him while he treads the grain. You let him eat while he goes. His needs are being met while he's serving you. Um, That was the first kind of picture and illustration for this culture that was an agricultural culture. They would get it. So you don't you know, you don't you don't muzzle the ox with treads of grain. So that's one analogy. Then in the latter part of the verse, he says the laborer is worthy of his wages. That's a quotation from Luke 10, verse seven. And you can write that down in your notes. But in Luke 7, Jesus was sending the disciples around. He says, when you guys go into a town or a village, you guys go. And if they receive you into their household that you serve there, your blessing will be upon that house. And it says, and remain, he says, in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give you, for the labor is worthy of its wages. And it says, do not go from house to house. So as they were going from town to town serving, God says, when you come into a home, let them take care of you. They're they're meeting your needs. And so this is what I would say. These verses don't say that the pastor, the teacher should be living way above everybody else. It don't say that he should have yachts and, and Rolls Royces and all this. But it does say that his needs should be met.
0: That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of 1 Timothy. If you missed part of today's teaching, or if you'd like to hear more from this study, visit calvaryinglewood.org. You'll find all of Pastor Bill's messages under the media tab. As you've been listening to these teachings, you may have had some questions pop into mind that you'd like to ask. We'd love to talk with you. Please give us a call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. Or you can fill out the contact form on our website. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you as well. We'd like to invite you to worship with us this weekend too at Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Come join us each Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. as we explore God's Word and spend time praising Him for all He's done. We're also meeting midweek on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you're unable to get here in person, you can still join us virtually through YouTube Live, Facebook, live and instagram these links are available at our website you can also download our mobile app to stay connected and even listen to past messages just search for calvary chapel inglewood in your app store or download from calvaryinglewood.org. our time with you today has come to an end we hope you join us next time to keep studying through the book of first timothy right here on a transforming word